Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. It's Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you have not visited us recently at MyFaithRadio.com, I'm going to encourage you to do so. I'm going to pop over there right now and uh, and give you a heads up about a few things um, on the front page. You can, you'll see right there when you visit us at MyFaithRadio.com, you can enter to win a copy of Max Lucado's In the Footsteps of the Savior you have a chance every single day this month. So instead of just, you know, giving away a handful of copies during one show, um, we're giving away a copy of the book every day of the month. And so you you enter that drawing um, at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, and I'm pretty sure you only have to enter once to be in the drawing every day. I'm pretty sure you don't have to enter every day. I will verify that, but I'm pretty sure once you enter, you're in yeah, just enter once. You're in the drawing every day once you enter once at MyFaithRadio.com. So there you go. It's not like that thing where you have to enter every single day for that house they're giving away. Like, I don't know. I get an email every single day. Don't I want to sign up for something and enter to win a house? And I'm like, well, that, that'd be great, but I, I don't want to bother with that every single day. So there you go. Uh, enter once and you're in the drawing every single day for a copy of In the Footsteps of the Savior by Max Lucado. Um, other great stuff at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, so take a look around. It's where you sign up for the verse of the day. It's where um, you can um, access great resources like our past reading through the Bible together um, series. You can, I mean, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff. We, we ask you there how we can pray for you. So it's a great place to share your prayer concerns on and on and on. Visit us, MyFaithRadio.com. I am praying today um, for desperate people, um, in particular, the desperate people who left terrible circumstances in countries around the world and now find themselves um, amassed at the U.S. southern border, but barred from entry to the United States. They thought they could come here and find a better life for themselves and their children. Um, there are already stories. Um, I heard some yesterday uh, about, uh, you know, uh, of people who have made it across the border, but then have been separated in the process. And so now they can't find each other. They don't have any means of locating one another. Um, you know, their teenage children or their spouse, they're, you know, it, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, and so I want you to imagine that, you know, you're among them. You are in this sea of humanity Dozens of languages are being spoken. There are people from more than 100 different countries um, represented. There is great confusion about what happens um, when the COVID-era restriction called Title 42 actually expires at midnight tonight. There are a lot of people who have been 
falsely led to believe that when Title 42 goes away, the U.S. border is going to be open. That's not true. That's the opposite of the truth. But that's what they've been told. And they've spent everything they have and they have suffered greatly to make the journey only to find themselves shut out, confused, desperate, and many of them hopeless. So add to that the job that we're now asking members of the U.S. military and the Texas National Guard in particular to do. We're asking them to physically bar desperate people from entering America. Um, I have no doubt it is going to devolve um, and it's going to lead to the moral harm of our young men and women who are being asked to do something that um, is going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible to do. It's one thing to prevent entry by genuine bad guys, like, right, a different army, Um, or even genuine bad guys trying to sneak across the border and evading U.S. law enforcement. It is quite another thing to ask these members of the U.S. military to erect a a razor wire fence and then stand and block desperate parents and their small children from crossing a river to a life of freedom and hope in a place where they thought they were going to have the opportunity um, because they believe here that America is a place of liberty and justice for all. So today, in the words of Emma Lazarus, these words appear, uh, it's the new Colossus, and they're inscribed on the Statue of Liberty. And so I'm just going to lift this up today for our consideration as we prayerfully consider how to respond to what's happening at our southern border. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she, with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Dr. Matthew Sleeth is joining us now. You can find Matthew and uh, the the topic of conversation that we're covering today and lots of other things at matthewsleethmd.org. Matthew, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. It's great to be back with you. So you and I are um, working our way through the 10 pillars of our faith, and we have, um, we have covered a, a, a handful of them. We have covered five. We arrived today at number six, but maybe just give us the list of one to five before we start talking about being generous. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, well, oh, it's too hard I don't to remember, if, isn't it? 
<laughs> no, I've got a list here. I'm not sure it's the right order, but uh, hospitality don't be was was the one we talked yeah. about last. I remember that. Yeah, I've I don't know if this is in the right order, but don't be your own god. In other words, seek God first. Um, uh, remember the Sabbath. Be grateful. Um, uh, careful what you put in your mind. Generosity, hospitality. Uh, I I will have to get that list in order for next time. No, no, it's up. so good. It's so good. There. So no, no, it's so good. Thank you, um, thank you so much. It gives people a sense, a reminder. It jars the memory. Today we're going to specifically talk about um, what it means to be generous. Why? Why is this one of the ten pillars of our faith? Well. I think the things we're talking about, really, if you go to the bottom, bottom line, are qualities of the Lord, and mm. and and the Lord is generous. And I define generosity as when we give willingly something that we have a value to us to someone who needs it. Um, that doesn't mean giving the old junk clothes out of the back of our. Uh, you know, closet that we uh, don't care for, you know, wait, and not that that's a bad thing. Um, but, but real generosity is when we give something of meaning uh, to not only us, but the person who's getting it. And when you go to the bottom, bottom line of that, um, you, you know, it's something that you only have one of that you give away uh, that means a lot to you is the most generous thing that you can do. And of course, that's what God did when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. So generosity is modeling uh, a quality of the Lord. You know, you've uh, you've convicted us there a little bit uh, in terms of not only how we give, which we're going to talk about um, here in just a moment in terms of being a cheerful giver, but in terms of what we give. Like you're talking about not giving our leftovers, but uh, or you know, or the things we were going to discard, but actually, like if we're going to be generous, like the Lord is generous, then we're going to give our very best. Absolutely, and and we're going to feel it, um, and that's what mm-hmm. real generosity is. And when we do that, because we are mirroring the behavior of our Lord, um, that that uh, makes a kind of a, a a deep resonance in our soul. We are emulating the Lord. The Lord is in our heart, and we're uh, doing that. And that's why when Jesus uh, pointed to that widow who gave the two cents, that was all that she had. He said, that's the real generosity there. So it's not giving out of our excess. It's it's giving out of uh, what we really value. And so generosity, we think of it first with money. Uh, but I also think generosity involves forgiveness, encouragement, thanks, gratitude, uh, um, so many things that we can give. The generous spirit just isn't giving money. It's giving of ourselves, being poured out, as Paul said, like a, like a drink offering uh, to try to make the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Mm. Um, let's talk about um, the how uh, we give. We're going to take a very, very brief break. When we come back, um, Dr. Matthew Sleeth is going to talk about how we give. This is about the spirit in which we give. We know that God loves a cheerful giver. What does that mean? Um, and why do people who give find themselves cheerful? Hmm. Let's talk about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Are you a conduit of the good gifts of God? If every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above, um, are you a conduit, uh, a channel, a river of those gifts and blessings to others? Or, um, you know, do you think that you're like a receptacle for all of them? We're talking with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. We're talking about uh, one of the 10 pillars of our faith. We're talking about generosity. So, Matthew... um, God loves a cheerful giver. Let's talk about that. And then tell us why people who give are cheerful. Like this thing works both ways. It, it does. Um, well, it's, it's, if you will, being in business with God. Uh, it's, it's joining in that um, lovely minister, ministry that the Lord has uh, of redemption. And uh, the way my wife and I uh, do this, and there's many ways to do it, is uh, we sit down in December, we have a list of things like our faith, our work, our family, our marriage, and we, we make goals for the next year. And we really like to give as much as we can at the beginning of the year. People often wait till the end of the year, see what's left over. We find it's much more fun to uh, uh, to to give uh, first and uh um, and to make those commitments at the very beginning of the year. So we're older. Maybe some people need to do that at the beginning of the month or even the beginning of the week. It doesn't matter. Um, but to, to give that first and we, we try to, um, you know, build the kingdom with that. Uh, the other thing that we really keep in mind is that God promises us opportunities to give, not opportunities necessarily to get tax deductions. And so there's many times uh, we have what we call the knee-jerk areas of giving. If if somebody's adopting a child, um, people 99% of the time do that out of the bigness of their heart, not the bigness of their pocketbook. So they'll get a check to help with that. Somebody uh, we know or in our church or whatever gets cancer, we like to give money to them because even if somebody has health insurance, it doesn't cover all the expenses. If somebody's going on a missions trip, we like to give that. Those aren't necessarily things that you get tax deductions for. It's just things that God smiles about and is part of his business. And so I think really the concept of giving up front and praying that God, you know, just increase what you do, uh, what you give and, and bless it is, is just a lot of fun. And, and so it's really the giving up front, I think. And, and for listeners that are having trouble with their finances, uh, maybe find themselves in debt, I have never met somebody that's having trouble with finances who at least ties, um, who gives a, a 10% of what they have um, to help build the church and the kingdom uh, because it just changes your thinking and, and um, reorders your priorities. So even if people are having financial problems, I would say start with the giving and everything falls into place 
behind that. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Carmen? How do you um, how do you approach this? I, I love um, the idea of making a giving list instead of a gift getting list. And so when you described um, how you and your wife approach this and that you sit down and you make a plan for your giving and you do it um, so that you can give early in the year, that's a gift giving list, um, not a gift getting list. And I think a lot of people make lists of things that they, I mean, like, you know, we have a wish list on Amazon, right? <laughs> what, <laughs> what does it look like, um, you know, to have a blessing list? Like how, how are you going to be a conduit of the blessings um, and the resources that God has set you over as a steward? Like, what does that look like? So I love that. So thank you. Um, I, I think that the reminder that the tithe is the floor, not the ceiling. Um, it's the starting place. It's the foundation. Um, for a lot of folks, that is way, way beyond what they're doing in terms of, um, you know, in terms of their giving. Uh, and it's the one area where, you know, God actually says we can test him. Um, uh, I want to know this. Um, how do you know when to buy a widow a cow? Ah, great. Uh, you know, that uh, the Bible says that we're to repay evil with good. And uh, I started this little habit. Uh, I got slimed on something. This happens to everybody. I, I don't even remember exactly what it was. Maybe I paid somebody to do some work and they didn't do it. Something like that. And I thought, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to change the equation here. And so uh, there's a ministry called Heart of Africa, and uh, I, I sent them $350 to buy a widow account. They actually sent me a video back of that widow receiving the cow. Um, it was in Africa. Just what an incredible blessing. And I just got back from Africa, by the way. I was in Kenya and Tanzania. What an incredible blessing a cow is um, to a widow. And, you know, after I did that, I didn't even remember what the specifics were of uh, how somebody had slimed me. So now, every time something bad like that happens, um, I, I say, I'm going to turn it into good. We're, a, a widow now is going to have a source of income and security and that sort of thing. And I send off a cow. And uh, it's it it uh, the Bible, uh, you know, says do this. And it seems counterintuitive. Um, and yet, uh, the joy that I get from knowing uh, that somebody's life has been made better is just a lot of fun, Carmen. Um, so what you're doing there, I heard it described this way once when I was a kid, and it stuck with me. Um, it, was a, it was a lesson in Bible school once, and it was about the golden rule, but it was also about giving. And I don't know why this just leapt to my mind when you told that story, but um, what we were what we were taught was like actually implement the golden rule with your gold, and so that that was the that was the hinge. That's the mental hook that's set in my mind. And so this is what um, you know I'll offer as a reflection. Like when you said you don't remember the bad things that somebody did to you, um because you have done unto another as you would have others do unto you. Like what you are doing is sort of implementing the golden rule in the midst of being wronged. Um, you can't change the wrong that someone did to you, but you can change the world by then doing unto another as you would have someone do unto you, in this case, buying a widow a cow. And it 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 reframes, it just immediately reframes things. And it's so good. 
um, living out the golden rule with our gold is um, is a is a is a good little mental hook for all of us. Um, let's. Uh, Carmen, let's I'm going to steal that yeah. from you. you or you're going to give it to me, right? <laughs> yes, right. it's yours. It's yours. <laughs> okay. Um, um, the most precious gift that any of us could ever give is going to be the gospel. Could we maybe conclude our conversation with um, with a lesson on that? Absolutely. That that is the gift that keeps on giving. And I would challenge listeners if they have not shared the gospel, if they have not given a Bible away in the last month or 90 days, then really pray for the opportunity to do that. Look for that opportunity and be bold. You've got the most valuable thing that you can ever give to anyone, and that's the gospel. And as somebody who was saved by picking up a Bible that some soul left in a, in a hospital waiting room, um, I can tell you that it will change people's lives forever. And uh, you may not even know um, uh, that you've been successful, but don't hesitate in giving out uh, the gospel and giving out scripture and giving out the Bible um, and invite people into your homes even and, and offer that kind of generosity in order to do that. Um, I'm going to um, affirm that and say amen. Uh, sometimes when you're, you know, you're driving down the road and you, you see that person, they're standing um, right where your car is going to stop, and you hear the Lord say, give to everyone who asks. Um, and so you, um, you reach into uh, that console where you have prepared in advance for this moment, anticipating the good works that God uh, has planned in advance for you, this divine appointment that you didn't set, but God did. Um, sometimes we don't know what to say. We're, we've rolled down the window. Um, they are headed our way. We have made eye contact. And so let me just say to you, if you're listening right now and you don't know what to say, here's what I say. God gave me this to give to you. Have a blessed day. That's about as long as you have at an intersection to not disrupt the flow of traffic. But it, it reminds you that you're a conduit of God's blessings. And it is a very, very brief proclamation of the gospel. God gave me this to give to you. Have a blessed day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. It's commencement season. Uh, Colleges are sending kids home and graduations are taking place in some places for the very last time. Um, There are a number of colleges and universities that close across the country and it's happening with an increasing frequency um and so you know if you went to burlington college or dowling college saint catherine college trinity lutheran crossroads memphis college of art grace university saint gregory's atlantic union concordia college in alabama um morthland Mount Ida, Newberry, College of New Rochelle, uh, Green Mountain, Mary Grove, Oregon College of Art and Craft, Southern Vermont College, they all closed between 2016 and 2019. The 2020 list is so long I can't even get into it. The 2021 and 2022 lists rival that. Um, colleges and universities um, are closing across the country. What's happening um, in those places and with those spaces is an interesting conversation. But I want to talk with Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, who's the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, of which this is a ministry. Um, how do we respond when 
you know, it's not just a Christian institution that's closing or a Christian college, but it's closing because of a very public failure. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Corbin Hornbeek is joining us now. He's the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Faith Radio is a ministry of UNW. Uh, Corbin, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. It's so good to be back with you and all of our listeners. And I love that intro music. Uh, We will be walking to that music this coming Saturday. Two times, two graduations. Uh, It's so exciting, right? It's so exciting to receive students when they arrive and then so exciting to send them forth into the world more fully equipped um, to to live as God's agents of grace and more fully formed as uh, as disciples. It's, right. it's very exciting. Very special day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk with you in a moment about like, you know, what you hope we all do over the summer, um, <laughs> each of us and all of us. But um, but I, I'm aware that uh, this is the time of year when schools that are not going to reopen in the fall um, for various and sundry reasons, most of them because of financial failure, but some of them because there has been some very public failure Uh um, at an institutional level. Like, like how do we respond to that as, as Christians? Um, You know, if, if God wanted these things in the first place, why doesn't he still want them? Mm. Or, you know, I think that when you've been engaged or involved with something that then fails or it, has run its course, yep. um, it's hard to accept as a Christian. It, uh, good morning. Yeah, it really is, uh, Carmen, in so many ways. And one of the things I want to say just at the very beginning of this conversation is that um, without a doubt, and I think you and all of our um, Faith Radio uh, hosts speak to this every day, we need more Christian uh, education in this world, not less. Mm. Um, we, uh, the, the world is trending in a direction where we as, as the body of Christ and believers, we steward the hearts and the minds and the souls of successive generations of young people who will be sent out into the world to make a difference. So it's, it is a challenging situation that we're in because on the one hand, we're seeing a lot of uh, an acceleration of colleges and universities closing. Uh, and yet we know that um, that we need more Christian education, not less. So that is the question. Where is God in the middle of all this? And, uh, and what does he uh, have for us uh, in, in all of this? So, um, yeah, let's, let's talk about this today because this is, a, this is an important subject for us. Uh, one thing I do want to say at the beginning of this conversation is that Northwestern is really blessed to be in a position mm-hmm. of strength and stability. Uh, and in a world where higher ed is being disrupted by a lot of uh, options for students to earn a degree and, and go to uh, college and university, we're very blessed with, uh, with the kind of stability that gives us uh, hope and opportunity for the future. I'm reminded here, uh, Corbin, that discipleship is is lifelong learning. That's what it means. Um, and we all need to be trained up in righteousness. Um, we all need to be continuing to grow. Um, I mean, the Great Commission, Jesus calls us to, you know, as a part of that, to go and teach others to obey yeah. everything he's commanded. There's a there's obviously an educational component to that. Um, yep. The Shema in the Old mm-hmm. Testament, I mean, like, it is about teaching. There is it so is. much about the faith that is instructional. Yeah. Um, so we do need Christian education and we do need Christian 
higher education, maybe there's a conversation to be had um, as we as we lament the the closing of some institutions. Maybe there's uh, something to commend strengthening that which remains. Like, how do we be sure we're investing in Christian education and Christian higher ed? Yeah. In those institutions that are flourishing. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, as I've shared with uh, a number of our, uh, there, there's two sides to this equation, and I've shared with our community here at Northwestern, with our board of trustees and, and with others. There are, um, I, I think it's important for us to understand, those of us who are in Christian higher ed, uh, there are at least five major reasons why uh, institutions will close. Uh, in the next, say, five to ten years. And the first of those, uh, and I'll just run through this list really quickly, but uh, the first is mission drift, institutions that drift off their core mission and no longer are relevant to the world. Uh, The second are institutions that take on excessive debt. And so you'll see where I'm going with. These are the five Ds. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. mission drift, uh, excessive debt. Um, uh, The third reason are institutions tied to denominations uh, that are in decline, and those denominations are no longer sending as many students. The fourth reason are uh, is geographic distance uh, from major metropolitan areas. Uh, and the, the fifth reason, uh, I'll call it excessive scholarship discounting uh, or, you know, your financial balance sheets, if you will. And, and the beauty of Northwestern is that we are not in any of those five categories. Uh, we have strength of mission. We have almost no debt. Uh, we are broadly evangelical. We're in the middle of the Twin Cities, uh, and we've managed our balance sheets really well. That's the sort of the uh, situation that a lot of uh, colleges and universities find themselves in. Those are the, the high risk factors. But on the other side of the equation, Carmen, is um, every institution has to define their vision for the future. What is it that we are doing specifically related to our calling uh, that allows us to make a difference in the world. We have to define what difference it is that we uh, that we seek to make in the world that ties to the great needs of the world today. So those are really the the two sides of the equation, if you will. All right. So um, what uh, define our vision for the future? What difference do we seek to make in yeah. the world that that actually addresses um, the needs of the world? Yeah. Well, we have um, uh, you know I think of 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 the areas where. Christians have the opportunity to, to step into the world. Of course, the marketplace is a, is a huge and broad category. Um, but if you think of the, 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 the big spheres of influence that we have, we have the opportunity to, uh, uh, to influence and shape the world of the arts. Um, living in the Twin Cities where healthcare is a, is a huge industry here. Uh, I was at our nursing pinning ceremony last night and uh, had a chance to witness uh, and be part of a, a ceremony of blessing uh, our graduating classes of nurses who are going into the world. And they're working for all of the major hospital systems and healthcare systems around the Twin Cities. Um, those are the kinds of things that we have to identify. We live in the, the heart of the med tech sector. Uh, here in the Twin Cities. And so our STEM disciplines and engineering programs, uh, business programs that support those, those are the kinds of things that allow us to put a stake in the ground uh, and give us the opportunity to to send Christ followers into uh, major industries, uh, ready and prepared with the heart, mind, and hands of Christ. I love that. Um, and I just want to say to, if you're listening right now and you are a person in, you know, arts or media or um, yeah. 
you know, health, med tech, um, you are somewhere out there in the marketplace um, serving in education or in law or in politics. There's a student graduating right now who needs you as a mentor. They need you as a mentor as they walk across a college stage and get a diploma and move into your field. They need you to see them, greet them, invest in them, invite them along. They want someone to walk with. Um, And so please do that. If you're listening right now um, and you haven't thought about um, the way college graduation affects you, um, let me encourage you to look for and identify that that student um, who has recently graduated from uh, you know a Christian college or university and has moved into your field and mentor them, offer to mentor them, congratulate them for you know for their accomplishment to this point, and say, hey, you know, when I was your age, I appreciated that somebody came and walked with me, and you know, I just if you're looking for somebody to walk with. For this leg of the journey, um, I'd like to walk with you. I guarantee you they're going to mm-hmm. say yes. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Corbin Hornbeek here in just a moment. Um, we're talking about Christian higher ed, but I think next I'm going to ask him what he hopes um, each and every one of us is going to do, regardless of our age and stage. What does um, the good doctor want us to do over the summer? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. All right, we're talking about Dr. Corbin Hornbeek. He's the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, unwsp.edu. Faith Radio and Northwestern Media are ministries, global ministries of the University of Northwestern. Um, uh, All right, so Corbin, before I ask you the question that uh, I already told everybody I was going to ask you about what you want us all to do over the summer, we have a question from a listener on the text line related to um, the Minnesota yep. um, legislature. Um, let me just read the. Let me just read the header here for people who aren't read in on this. Minnesota legislature passes higher ed bill that includes free college tuition. Minnesota students from families making under eighty thousand dollars annually would qualify for the new free tuition program. This listener wants to know how you foresee that affecting, <laughs> um, you know, enrollment uh, at. <clears throat> Right. Schools like UNW. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, um, uh, this is uh, this is one of the most interesting uh, legislative sessions. And so I, I am new to Minnesota and I've been talking with a lot of uh, people that have been around here for a long time. And uh, by far, this is the most uh, aggressive legislative session that people have seen in a long time. And of course, it's a supermajority in the House and the Senate and the governor's office uh, in uh, the state of Minnesota. So a lot of things that have been uh, just getting run through very, very quickly. Um, o- overall, um, <clears throat> this is is not this is what I would say is not a good thing uh, for um, for the whole industry of higher education. I know it sounds appealing, it sounds attractive, um, but but has nothing to do really with. University of Northwestern or other schools, the idea of free education, um, we believe fundamentally that education is a a thing of high worth and high value. 
And the more that families have skin in the game, the more that students have a sense of responsibility, um, uh, that uh, that increases the value of the education. Now, on the flip side of that, everybody is concerned about uh, excessive debt and, and graduating with debt and making higher education affordable. And so there are ways that I think families can uh, can utilize this kind of a, a new reality uh, by uh, by earning some of their GEDs and getting through some of the uh, the maybe the first year or two uh, and and allowing those credits to transfer into other schools uh, and and so it can be used in a way that uh, can increase the overall affordability but the question of you know free education does that increase quality uh, both in terms of the student experience both in terms of the value of education I don't think so. Um, and I think I will say, you know, if you're listening right now and you value students getting um, an education at an institution like the University of Northwestern St. Paul, then you need to invest in those institutions yeah. um, because it will give it will give schools, it will give Christian schools an opportunity to ex- extend scholarships, need based scholarships where that is appropriate to do so. Um, there's also a way, Corbin, for um, students in high school to like dual enroll That's and right. get a bunch of credits before, I mean, at UNW. That's right. Um, before they graduate, which makes the whole thing much more affordable as well. That's right. And of course, we talked a, a number of weeks ago about the whole PSEO, post secondary education option program in Minnesota. That's also uh, a little bit up for grabs uh, right now in the, in the state legislature. It has not been uh, completely settled. Uh, we're still waiting to see where this filters out. But yes, there are. Are options, and um, as the as many many states uh, trend toward this idea of free education, the idea that you know public funds should only fund public institutions, those kinds of things, uh, I think there's going to be an increasing interest in those institutions that are really clear on their mission. Places like uh, University of Northwestern, our Christian mission offers a distinctive. Uh, and a distinctive value for our students who are really preparing to grow in their faith, uh, but also understand how to connect their faith uh, to their calling and their sense of contribution in this world. So uh, it's not an existential threat for us, but it certainly changes the uh, uh, the calculus uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, for those of you watching this conversation across the country, yes, for those of you texting in, that Oklahoma um, Catholic charter school conversation, yeah, at a at a at a graded level, this is a part of that conversation as yeah. well. So yeah, thank you for noting that. Exactly. All right. Um, all right, uh, Corbin. Um, summer is upon us and um maybe talk to parents, talk to college students, talk to the rest of us. Well, I mean, regardless of age and stage of life, um, what what are you what are your hopes for us over the summer? <clears throat> well, I think every parent who has children, uh, perhaps in uh, you know K twelve, um, you, you know it's a wonderful time for us to to spend time together. We also know that our brains kind of go to mush over the mm-hmm. summer, and it's really easy to uh, to just let everything go. Um, and then you come back and you spend, you know, the first month of August or September back in school sort of reclaiming what you lost in, you know, over the, over the summer. Um, but it is a, I think of, you know, especially for college students, it's important for our students. They'll be home. Many of them be home working. Uh, this is a time of year for me. And I think of the, the role of the college president. You kind of live in the moment. 
you know, day by day, you live in the, the, the mid-range future and the, live in the long-term future. Uh, one of the things I enjoy about summer is that I get to, you know, that we just don't have as many day-to-day activities going on around the campus, but it gives me an opportunity to pivot a little bit and think about the long-range vision, and, and we're deep involved in a long-range vision and planning project uh, at the University of Northwestern. So it gives me some time and space to think about the future. Um, I've got a stack of books uh, that I want to read over the summer and give my time and attention to uh, to those kinds of things. But, you know, the other thing is, I mean, this is the best time of year weather-wise for Minnesota. So we're going to be traveling around and uh, seeing the best parts of this, the state of Minnesota. Yeah, go see what you can see. Um, go see something new. Go see yeah. someone new. Time and attention to people um, don't let your brain go to mush. That's really good. Um, and, um, yeah. And so I think that for those of you who don't have a student, um, in college right now, um, you are a part of a community of believers wherever you live and college students will be returning home for the summer. Um, and so I want you to reach out to them. I want you to enfold them fully into the life of the church. They're no longer youth. Yep. They're not in the youth program anymore. You need to welcome them home. And again, if they are, um, if they are studying at a school that you're familiar with, you know, that's a great entry point into their life. That's a yep. great connecting point. If they are studying, um, you know, to enter into your field of business, um, your area of expertise. That's a wonderful connecting point. They're looking for mentors. Yeah. And so if you've been looking for a way to disciple, this is a great opportunity to do so. Yeah. Um, and the summer is a great, great time to um, to connect. Corbin, thanks. You're, it's, it's always great to catch up with you. Thank you, Carmen. It's great to—I uh, was going to say, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, it's great <laughs> to be here uh, and with you. And, Paul, great to see you, as always. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to our conversation again next month. And I just wanted to add uh, to that final comment, Carmen, that you made. Many churches do not program very much for the 20 and 30-somethings age group. So I, I want to reinforce what you just said. Uh, the opportunity to disciple and care for college students over the summer uh, is something that they need and, and that they actually want. Yeah. They, they want it. They really yeah. do. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. We, uh, we love talking with you. Huh. All right, that's Dr. Corbin Hornbeek. You can find him at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, unwsp.edu. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Okay, I'm going to pick this up with you tomorrow, but the question is going to be, how does your garden grow? All right, we're going to talk about gardening zones what zone you're in. And then I want you to think about the garden, like God created us and put us in a garden. So that's going to be the larger conversation that I want to have with you. So I want you to think about the garden. I want you to think about culture as a garden and you and I as culture gardeners. And then I want you to think about the gardening zones where God has put us. And then like a zone defense. I think there's a lot of times that we're trying to you know, work in the garden as, as if it's like, you know, man-to-man defense. Okay, but, uh, you know, the enemy's got way too much going on. We need a better zone defense. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little geography tomorrow. What zone are you in? So be prepared to to text in during the show and tell me what zone you're in. If you don't know, it's a good time to uh, find out what's happening gardening-wise across the country and around the world because you are in a gardening zone. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. I am, too. 
We're going to talk about weed suppression. We're going to talk about protection from predators and thieves. I am going to share with you my wisdom related to keeping squirrels out of your strawberries. Yeah, because that's all tomorrow on the Friday Farm Report. So, a uh, little, uh, head, head, little heads up on that. Hey, have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.